It's time to jump into the starting five. As always, we start with number five. Canes lost last night in overtime. Does anybody else sit there going, so when's when's Marty Natchez going to score? When, when is this going to happen? Overtime Marty, Mr. Overtime. When, when is it going to happen? And then it just didn't. I was still on the side of the ice last night where the overtime goal was at. And every time Marty started just, you know, skating around, <laughs> cutting through traffic, I was standing up like, oh, oh. It's, it's 100% one of those things where it's like, you know it doesn't happen every time but it kind of feels like it happens every time. Um, but obviously, this time was not one of them. Islanders got the, got the goal. It was a, a turnover from Seth Jarvis that kind of set it up. He was very hard on himself in the postgame presser, which I'm fine with. Accountability goes a long way. Uh, for more of the breakdown, our good friend Adam Gold, who you can hear every weekday right before uh, this show here on 99.9 The Fan. Here he is with two minutes of hockey. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, boys and girls, I've got two minutes for two plays that denied Carolina two points on Thursday night at PNC Arena. It's all brought to us by Dysart Willis, high stakes litigation and defense, DysartWillis.com. The two plays we're talking about in the context of a wild game in which Carolina dominated for 60 minutes, even some of the overtime, and still couldn't come away with two points. Carolina outshot the Islanders 43 to 16. They outchanced the Islanders 47 to 19. 17 of those scoring chances were high danger. Only nine for the Islanders, yet the Islanders scored five times. Why? Mistakes and poor goaltending. But the mistakes led to poor goaltending, like Seth Jarvis turning it over on the power play, which led to a shorthanded goal. But at the end, at the death, Sebastian Ajo got Carolina into overtime. Ajo at the goal line, tries to center it, burns it in a one-timing position, fires it. Huge block by Carolina, follow-up, and Carolina, I believe it's Sebastian Ajo. It's in, it's in. Seven seconds left to score. A buzzer beater from Ajo. Seven seconds left in this hockey game after the one-timer for Burns. 4-4. But in the overtime, with Seth Jarvis streaking towards the goal, he makes the error. The turnover leads to this. Barzell to Dobson, back to Barzell, and he scores. What a play from Noah Dobson, preventing on what could have been a game winner in his own end. And the quick counter, he goes to Barzell. Barzell makes no mistake on his offside. Overtime, Fish makes a great pass. Nine times out of ten, that's a shot. I know it's a shot. It's an elementary school play that you shoot that every time. And I try to make a little, a little extra play, get too cute, and, and screw us in the end. So a lot of it comes down to, to me and, and individual plays. But, yeah, we, we had that one in our, in our grips. I thought we played a good game. Just a couple mental errors. Screwed up. I appreciate Jarvis taking accountability after all of it. This was an own goal for Carolina. It was a game in which they had no business losing but lost it. Have to get better goaltending, but also have to stop making silly mistakes. Dysart Willis, high stakes litigation and defense. DysartWillis.com, not a silly mistake right there. Like I said, Seth Jarvis was was tough on himself in the postgame presser. It's an elementary school mistake. Um, I think there's a few guys, Coach Chekhov in, in goal, Seth Jarvis, a few others, that could be tough on themselves after that one. But also there's some stuff worth celebrating. Jalen Chatfield got a goal. 
Jordan Stahl got a goal. First goal since opening night. First goal since opening night for Stahl. And he cut his hair before this one, which just goes to show sometimes you got to mix up the juju. Yeah, he was saying now the goals will flow. And exactly. When the hair isn't flowing, the goals start flowing. I think we should shave his head bald. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying. If he goes from the long they flow. They did with Jarvis. If they go to the long flow and then he trims it, he scores a goal. I think if you go, you go with the bick, you get the razor out, you go cue ball with it, then I think that's going to end up with like 10 goals. That's just math. Probably isn't very comfortable under a helmet, though. Yeah. Either way. Uh, and then on top of that, I, I mean, you know, I've been talking about it throughout the show. Aho going full superstar and with essentially no time on the clock, scoring an equalizer to force overtime. There's some stuff that, that was good there. They just got to finish, 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 and or stop one more, uh, stop one more and not go to overtime. And honestly, another impressive performance by Mal- Michael Bunton paired up with Seth Jarvis. And uh, Aho. And Aho. Yeah. Uh, Bunting is doing his his darndest to stay on that line, which gives them some creativity with, with Svetch and, and moving around uh, Natchez and a few a few others uh, around the, the second and fourth line, I guess you call them, and then the, the stall line in the third spot. But it's it's they have some options there. He had a couple of great opportunities last night, just couldn't hold on to the puck after the pass. Maybe he, just, he wasn't anticipating the pass. I don't know what it was, but... Well, that that would be a, that would be an argument to keep him up there and let them get more used to each other. So he he would build that chemistry, it, build it up. Uh, anyway, Canes lose. They play again tomorrow night. That's number five. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! ACC basketball opens this weekend, and not like the the teams playing, but the teams playing each other, uh, which is which is an exciting time. There there's. A few things in sports you can't simulate. One of them, I believe, is ACC basketball, right? It's, you know, you hear playoff atmosphere. You can't, can't make it up, right? You can't, you can't simulate it. There's no scrimmage. You can't put, hey, minute 30 on the clock, you're down two uh, in a scrimmage and make it feel like the end of a game in a conference game. It's just, it's a different beast. Florida State at North Carolina, that's going to be a dogfight because it always is, right? Um, let me let me just run through the other two games here. Uh, Duke, who's number seven for now, uh, at Georgia Tech, and uh, North Carolina State at Boston College. We we broke them down in depth earlier today in the show. Um, my my overall take for North Carolina is play a full game. Now I, I'm not saying play a full game at the level you played the first half against uh, Ar- uh, um, Tennessee. You already beat Arkansas before that. Uh, your first half against Tennessee was a, a 120 out of 10. I, I want to see ten, uh, UNC play a 10 out of 10 for an entire game. Pedal right? to the metal. Just foot on their throat. Exactly. Put I, I, The way I described yesterday is put the other team out of their misery. Mortal Kombat. Finish him. After, after the first half against Tennessee, it was obvious North Carolina was going to win. Got a little shaky there at the end, but I still think they had a control. It was obvious they were going to win. But they never put them out of their misery. They just let them linger. They allowed a 24-point lead to be cut down to a 7-point lead. Exactly. Like, that's – and it still felt – by the way, when they, they when they were up 7, it still felt like they had them at an arm's distance. But it's just why. Why go through all of that? Just, just put them out of their misery. And I think, you know, Florida State is a team that you can practice that on if you find yourself ahead early again. Uh, for Duke, grow up. That, that's actually a much simpler 
much much uh, more straight to the point way of describing what I was talking about earlier. I used so many more words to describe it earlier talking about Duke. Grow up. Are we speaking figuratively or literally? Uh, definitely not literally because they're they actually no they they're if. Mark Mitchell and Sean Stewart could each grow like three inches. I think their their problems down low would be solved. Uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, I, I talked about how they, they aren't as veteran as maybe they seem. There are a lot of sophomores that we treat as upperclassmen just because they were supposed to go in the draft last year and chose to come back. But the the from an X's and O's standpoint, it feels like they're that Shire is is almost scared to play anyone other than flip at the five. Scared's the wrong word. He's choosing to play Kyle Filipowski at the, the center position at the five because he's the seven-footer. They used to have Derek Lively there. That's another seven-footer. I kind of want to see what they do in, in a small ball lineup, which even though I want Filipowski still on the floor, I just want him playing the four. I want him playing power forward and let Mitchell, Young, let, let Stewart, if he's in there, let someone else play the uh, – play the five and, and kind of be the, the big guy down low. Let Filipowski do all that stuff on the perimeter he likes to do. Uh, so there's some some X's and O's things I want to see, but mostly I just want to see them them grow up a bit, right? Every day, same intensity. Every game from the jump. It's the stuff that only comes with experience and time and, and maturity. Every day, get a little bit better. Oh, now we're talking. So cliche to say. The 2% way. 2% better every day. Compound interest. Uh, <laughs> Let's go ahead. That was what? Number four? Let's get to number three. One, two, three. The clock is ticking, Nina King and Duke. The Duke football coaching search, we're waiting. And by the way, it would be wildly quick if they had already named their coach. You need to be wildly quick. There used to be a point in time in college football where – you could take like two months to hire your coach because the recruits were already signed, letters of intent, right? There there was, you know, an off season. There used to be an off season in college football. There isn't anymore. This season isn't even over. ACC championship this weekend, conference championships this weekend, bowl games to follow. Next season has already begun. North Carolina, meaning the Tar Heels, went into the portal and and have already claimed their quarterback for next year in Max Johnson, the transfer from Texas A&M. Duke doesn't have a coach. Their quarterback's also in the portal, Riley Leonard. He's going into the portal. It, it's Notre Dame, the likely destination. They need a coach. And do and you know when's the best time for Duke to hire a coach? Yesterday. Right now. Like, the, soon. The, before, like whenever, whoever you hire, and even if you hired them yesterday, they're behind the eight ball. They're they're catching up, which is not where you want to be. There's no more off season in college football. They're, they're, if you're waiting till the off season to hire a coach, you're two step backwards. It, it, the the fact of the matter is, every minute you don't have a coach, the rest of them are getting ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe you are in the market for a, a quarterback in the transfer portal. Maybe you would have called Max Johnson. Maybe he grew up a Duke fan. I don't know. Would be bold to go to North Carolina if he did. But uh, maybe he grew up a Duke fan and, and you didn't call because he didn't have a coach. Maybe Grayson McCall 
out of Coastal Carolina is somebody you'd be interested in. On three is reporting NC State already has an in-home visit with, with Grayson McCall at quarterback. And that's just quarterback, not to mention the running backs, the linebackers. The like, There's going to be a lot of work to do, and the earlier you can do it, the better. And the, and the other thing is, the first thing that your coach is going to want to do once he gets hired, it doesn't even involve the portal. He's going to have to put together his staff of assistants. So add a day for that, right? Or evaluate the current staff that he has. Yeah, like decide who's staying, who's going, decide who you're bringing in, decide who you can trust, decide who you want. So let's say you hire a coach right now. Like let's say at 5-15, Friday, December 1st, Duke hires their coach. What if a new coach gets announced in the next five minutes? What if, yeah, it's like literally you look at the, the tweet as it comes out at 5-15. I, I, I did not have insider information if that's the case. But let's say they hire him right now. Let's say it takes till tomorrow at 3 to, to right, it takes 22 hours roughly for him to put together his, his coaching staff. The, the true portal opens on Monday. For players whose coaches didn't leave and didn't graduate, you can enter on Monday. So that means Saturday at 3, you got a day and a half to be ready to go when the floodgates open. You may not even know who your your scout is that's supposed to look at the portal. You haven't assigned to that role yet, but you better be be darn good at figuring it out. So so my my statement on this is it's too late. Hmm. When Mike Elko announced he was or didn't announce, when he just stepped off the plane in College Station and kind of, you know, by way of doing that, announcing he was taking the Texas A&M job, it was already too late to have your coach in line. Tony Gibson should have been called up immediately. I think it's a perfect fit. I think Tony Gibson is a perfect fit for Duke. I know state fans don't want to hear it, but it's the the gift and the curse of having a great coordinator is somebody else is going to want him to be their head coach. I think he's a perfect fit. If I were Duke, I probably would have already made the offer to Tony Gibson and found a way to make it work. But that's if I were Duke. That's number three. Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Hopefully all the teams we're talking about, uh, NC State, Duke, North Carolina, are trying to be where Florida State and Louisville are this weekend. In Charlotte, playing for the ACC championship in the future. Uh, Hopefully that's what their goal is. That's what their goal should be. Because if you win the ACC, there should be stakes on that. There should be, well, actually next year there will be college football playoff entry. Right, the top six in the expanded playoff, top six ranked conference champions, automatic bid into the the twelve team playoff. You win the ACC championship, you're in. For Florida State, that's true this year. If you don't believe me, here's former Alabama quarterback Greg McElroy. They will be in the playoff because they're an undefeated Power Five champ that played a Power Five schedule with a win against Louisville this weekend that would give them three ranked wins. One of which against uh, against LSU in the non conference, who the committee greatly respects uh one against louisville who's currently ahead of tennessee that's one of the better wins for both georgia and for alabama and one against clemson who's in the 25-ish range kind of comparable to that of tennessee which also compares favorably so one they have the resume to back it up and two you cannot tell me after what we witnessed 10 years ago with ohio state and cardale jones the quarterback is a sole indicator of future success in the playoffs first of all i agree I agree if you are an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, there is 0% chance that I think you should be left out of a college football playoff. 
unless there's there's only one possible way that 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 would have happened and that would be if there were five undefeated power five conference champions and it was a four-team playoff that's the only way i could see it happening part of the reason why we have an expanded playoff is because teams would go undefeated and not get picked into the national championship by the bcs um however i i i don't think pointing to ohio state winning whatever that was 2014 with cardale jones is necessarily the right move. That's pointing to an outlier and acting like that's kind of the norm, yeah. right? In the NFL, if your starting quarterback gets hurt, your chances are done. Yes, the Eagles won with Nick Foles. That's a very wildly rare situation. For most teams, your chances are done. Um, that doesn't mean you don't deserve to make the playoffs, right? You get to see, you get to find out if you have Nick Foles. Right, like with Ohio State and Cardale Jones, do I think Brock Glenn for Florida State is Cardale Jones? I don't. But Florida State going undefeated during the regular season and winning the ACC championship, if they do, earns them the right to find out if Brock Glenn can go full Cardale Jones. Or more importantly, if the rest of that team can say, we're going to hide you, right? We're going to run the ball really well. We're going to stop the run. We might score on special teams. Maybe we get a defensive score. We're going to make your job as little as possible and try to win almost despite you, uh, which game manager, right? Go be a game manager. That's yeah. more what they've earned the right to do. The you know I, I'm big on honoring the team. So if they go undefeated, you put them in there. Because if you don't, you're not just messing over the third-string quarterback coming in. You're messing over all the rest of the guys that had a part in being undefeated out there on the field every Saturday. And also, yes, NC State fans, if Florida State wins by a bunch, you'll jump Louisville in the college football playoff rankings and play in the Orange Bowl. So go Seminoles, right? That's number two. Let's get to number one. The one! Panthers at Tampa Bay. Post-Reich era, post-Frank Reich era, begins for the Carolina Panthers. What do you want to see? What do you want to see from Chris Tabers? What do you want to see from the new interim head coach? What do you want to see from Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, who's getting play calling back for the second time this year? What do you want to see from Bryce Young? Literally anything. Some, uh, not anything. Something different. Little, Little different in the language there. I want to see something different, right? You fire a coach, it's not because you liked what they were doing. It's not because you want to see more of the same. I actually think that's a um, kind of a – it's what I would think of. All right, let me put it this way. If I fired a head coach and I were promoting from within the staff, I meaning for an interim, I think I would pick the one with the most personality the person who's the most unique, the person who's the most individual. Maybe not the person who I think is the best uh, you know, potential head coach because I need somebody that is going to be comfortable striking out on their own very quickly and doing something different and unique. If you you know, kind of owe your coaching career or owe your job at the moment to Frank Reich, you might be like, "Hey, I've learned everything I've I learned everything I know from Frank Reich." He gets fired. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a lot of the same things. I think he's a smart guy. I'm gonna do. And and it's like no, that got that got him fired. It's why you see Steve Wilkes is his own guy. He's 
been a head coach in the past. He knows what he likes. Antonio Pierce, who's working out as an interim for for the, the Raiders, at least in the short term, he's a guy that very much knows who he is and, and came in changing things. Um, even something as simple as this. Antonio Pierce, it was either after the first or second game he took over as an interim head coach for the Raiders. Um, somebody noticed that their their sideline was like wildly full. They had a bunch more people on their sideline. And he was like, yeah, all of the practice squad guys who normally aren't welcome on the sideline. If you're a practice squad guy and you're inactive, normally you're in a box somewhere, you're watching, you're not on the sidelines. He was like, those guys are part of the team. They work hard. We brought them all down to the sideline. I don't know if it was a good move or not. I don't know if it really affected everything or if it boosted morale or anything, if it made practice better because those guys felt like a bigger part of the team. But I do know that wasn't what Josh McDaniels was doing. And Antonio Pierce felt it, did it, and 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 trusted his gut. So I hope uh, Chris Tabers, I hope the, 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 the new coach, I, I hope whoever is taking over some of the responsibility for Frank Reich trusts their gut to do something different. Don't go with the status quo. The status quo lost your quarterback's coach his job, your running back's coach his job, and your head coach his job, and more heads will roll by the time this thing is done. That's what the status quo got him. So try something new, even if it's something as little as who's on the sideline. Right? If the coordinator was up top calling plays, get him on the sideline. If the coordinator was on the sideline calling plays, get him in the booth. Like, like change it up. Just, just see what happens. Change up the, you know, Jordan Stahl, right? Jordan Stahl scored an opening night for the, the the Canes. Didn't score again till last night. So what did he do before last night's game? Cut his hair. Why? Change it up. Something different. Maybe that's a little trivial. Maybe that's a little superstitious. But you get what I'm saying. Put Serper in a Santa outfit. I don't Put know. Serper in a Santa outfit. Let and, him jump off the jumbo truck. And again. make all of your audibles at the line of scrimmage named after reindeer. I want I want to hear. Uh, Bryce Young get up there, get caught on a hot mic going, check Donner, check Donner. Easy, easy, Comet, 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 Cupid. Like, do what you got to do. That got a little ridiculous there at the end, but what are you going to do with Friday?